Today's program is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin wins more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum. I love to talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Today's episode 101 of Feast Your Ears. Uh, I'm a little tired today. I got up at like 4 a.m. Chicago time and got on a plane and came back to New York. Always nice to return home, though, after being in a hotel room for like a week. I'm so excited I get to cook dinner tonight. Uh, be nice. So today, joining me on the show, I'm really excited. I have Allie Rosen here with me. She has just had a awesome book come out. It came out yesterday, right, Allie? Yeah, yesterday. Uh, it's called Bring It. Tried and True Recipes for Potlucks and Casual Entertaining. So thanks so much for coming over to Roberta's and hanging with me today. Uh, it's my pleasure. As I was saying to you before, I just ate a pizza, so I feel pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were talking before the, uh, before the show started about how it's, it's, you know, a lot of places you go to a studio and maybe there's a bodega downstairs or there's like a, a you know, halal cart outside. Right, a sad uh, fruit plate. Yeah, and if, you know, and if it's in television, maybe you have uh, what, what uh, when I worked in TV, we used to call candy salad. <laughs> on the table. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but it's nice. You get to come to Roberta's, have a pizza. Uh, yeah. And we're having a beautiful day in New York. So, yeah, you know, late, finally. Late winter, sun. Yeah, we've been having all these storms. Um, so, Allie, your book is all about potlucks, and you have a show called Potluck with Allie, right? Yeah, it's no coincidence. I love <laughs> making other people bring me food, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the first thing you ever brought to a potluck? Oh, you know, when I was a kid, I my mom had this cookbook that was like one of those like really eighties like chocolate books, like you know, like a death by chocolate kind of book. And I made these. Did like, have a chocolate fountain on the cover? That's what I'm picturing. It had like, <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you say that because it had like a ganache with like a dripping yeah. chocolate. Like it was really <laughs> hilarious. And they had this recipe for chocolate truffles. Um, so I used to bring them everywhere and it was so messy because you'd like roll them in cocoa powder. Or you'd roll them in like, you know, at that time people loved like that coconut, you know, that like fake coconut. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I used to bring like that was my thing. Like I would bring chocolate truffles. I was like seven and I thought I was like very <laughs> sophisticated. <laughs> so there actually is a chocolate truffle in bring it um that's a chocolate sesame truffles that uses tahini and when i was making it i was like oh my seven-year-old self is so happy right now well yesterday on instagram you posted a really cute clipping from the post and courier paper from 95 yeah. with a picture of you yes. making cookies right yes i um i'm i almost didn't post it because the the recipes there look like they're really bad and that they probably wouldn't work so right. I, I don't know you know the post and courier now has won a pulitzer prize and you know, Hannah Raskin just got nominated for two Beard Awards right. today. Yeah. 
So um, I'm very happy that the Post and Courier has really grown beyond publishing the recipes of a nine-year-old just for the <laughs> sake of it. But yeah, I mean, this cookbook is really a long time in the making. I've been cooking I mean, my whole life. So the, were those your first published recipes? Those were my first published recipes. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I was trying to remember like why they, you know, even published it. Right. I'm happy that they, you know, I have it on like a little plaque in my office. It's kind of a reminder of like, you know... Sometimes it takes a while to get where you want to go. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you went from that first published recipe in 95 in right. Post and Courier <laughs> Very um, to Potluck with Allie now. I mean, there were some stops along the way at Fox hosting TV. and Yeah, I've had a lot of stops along the way. You know, I um, I loved food and I, I always wrote recipes. I always cooked at home. I actually, you know, my first job, which, you know, like let's call it a mentorship, was I uh, followed around the owner of a restaurant group in Charleston and they they do slightly north abroad and yep. um, high cotton and you know I I sort of realized very early on that I wasn't really cut out for restaurants and so I just kind of thought okay well this is just not for me like there's no career path here if I don't want to be in food if I don't want to be in restaurants so I actually went a totally different route and I wanted to do news production so I um, I was a page at NBC I worked for the nightly news I was a local news reporter for New York one and I did all of that and I, I just started to realize like this is not what I want to be doing with my also life. Not what you know? you want to do, yeah. Right. I mean, you know, I've been very good at figuring out what I don't want to do. And I I moved to India for a year to work on a documentary and along the way I just really, you know, this I sound like someone from Eat Pray Love, but I, <laughs> I really you know, it's, it's in taking a step back from kind of New York and all the things that happen here where you think like this is my career and I have to move forward and you know, I have this great job and you know, I was like, you know, I really want to do something in food. And when I came back, I kind of realized I had all these skills for video production and, you know, being on air and doing all of that and that I could combine those skills into food, which was really has always been my greatest love. And what was very lucky for me at that time, which was probably 2011, um, you know, today we have a lot of really great food video online. Yeah. Um, at the time, there really wasn't. It's true. And, yeah. um, and so I applied for a job at a website called The Daily Meal, and they were really trying to hire someone who had a background in food, but they couldn't find anyone who had a background in food and could, you know, shoot and edit and be on camera. So I think I got the job out of just like default, like, oh, well, I guess we have to give it to this girl. <laughs> um, right place, and, right time. Yeah, I mean, and it was funny because my boss there was Coleman Andrews who started Savoir Magazine. Yeah. And, and he said that to me. He was like, yeah, we wanted somebody with more food experience, but, you know, they couldn't work a camera. So here you are. <laughs> and I was like, great. <laughs> so I, I just got really lucky. Like today, you know, if you graduated from school today and you didn't have a degree in food and filmmaking, and all these things, you know, I just have gotten very, um, you know, I've worked hard, but I sort of got lucky in that I was in the right place at the right time. And yeah. so I did that for a few years. And then I started doing the TV show on NYC Life, um, which we're now about to start our 10th season. We do wow, two. congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we do two seasons a year, which is kind of nuts. And yeah, I did. I used to do a show on Fox as well. And I write and, you know, so it's really just been, I've been so lucky that I was able to kind of turn the thing that I always really wanted to do into my actual career. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so let's go back to the book. Let's talk a little bit more about potlucks. So mm -hmm. with all of your experience in food and, you know, you've done some other interesting traveling related to food and we'll get to that maybe a little later in the show. What led you to feel like there was a place for an entire book about potlucks? Yeah, you know, it's 
in working in food, I spend a lot of time thinking about sort of how things change, how people transition the way we eat, what we do, um, the way, you know, the way we consume content, as we were just saying, with yeah. food videos. Uh, you know, it's it sort of has struck me that in, you know, the past decade or so, I think we've really... We talk about food more, but we're less formal about food. And yeah. I think that when people have dinner parties, they're much more apt to let people bring things, you know, to say like, oh, what can I bring? And yeah. you'll actually be allowed to bring something beyond sure. like a bottle of wine. Yeah, um, or some I'm, ice cream. I'm very good at bringing wine also. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's really, we've sort of changed the dinner party thing. Like when I was a kid and my grandmother would have a dinner party, it was like she would make everything. The table would be set perfectly. There'd be an exact number of seats. Everybody would show up on time. Nothing would be, you know, and that was the way people hosted. And yeah. now I think we all host a little more casually and, you know, everybody cooks, everybody likes talking about food. We all maybe talk about food too much. So Probably. the idea of bringing things to dinners has just become part of our everyday things. So, you know, there's a lot of, content around potlucks and like casserole dishes and kind of this old idea of like what a potluck is and I just got really interested in this idea of like actually most of the dinner parties we're having now on some level are a potluck you know so um, I really wanted to I named my company potluck because I, I love that idea you know the, the show is all about bringing everyone to the table so that's where the name came from and you know I have in the foreword of the book that my mom thought it was a terrible idea because yeah. she's like potlucks are <laughs> horrible <laughs> <laughs> I just was I like, read that. No. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was true. She was like, please don't do that. Please don't name your company after a thing everyone hates. And um you know, I I just was like, but this it, it shouldn't be that way. Like it's really bringing people together around food is a good thing. So I just um got excited about the idea and you know, started writing recipes and thankfully my wonderful editor Kristen decided to <laughs> let me do it. <laughs> well, and I mean, I think that the other thing that, that I really like about the book is that it pushes, I think, the it pushes people to think about what it means when someone says, will you come over for dinner and bring something yeah. right, for a potluck beyond a casserole right. or a lasagna or a mac and cheese right. or a salad. Right. I mean, there are some great salads in there, but, you know, I mean, some of the recipes that I thought looked, you know, awesome and they weren't necessarily recipes that if someone said hey i'm having a potluck would jump into my mind right um you know the red wine pasta mm. dish is awesome and it looks super cool yeah it's such a fun one um i mean what a what a cool technique can you talk a little bit about where that where that dish came from that dish came from um you know a, a trip to italy where i had this pasta and i was i was like oh it's like a beet pasta or it's something you know like i thought it was like dyed in some way and they said you know no, it's actually dyed by cooking it in the wine. Right. It's just red, yeah. um, which is amazing. And it's been one of my favorite recipes because it really just surprises people and they think it's really complicated and yeah. it's really not. Like <laughs> you're cooking pasta and water, you can also cook it in wine and it gives it this really earthy flavor. Um, and people have loved it. Actually, Carla Hall, who very kindly wrote a blurb for the book, just cooked it for herself and posted it today. So oh, nice. maybe now people are going to really go for that red wine pasta. But yeah, you know, I, I just get inspired, as I'm sure you do. Like, I eat out a lot, and I, you know, I'm with chefs and cooking and doing segments a lot. So every time I'm with someone, it sparks an idea. And so that pasta kind of came from that. And then the idea, you know, cold pasta, like we've had pasta salad, yep. but it doesn't have to have like like mayo and yeah. like all this stuff that we think of. Like you can just have cold pasta and if the ingredients on it are good, I mean that recipe, it's feta, it's basil, it's pine nuts, it's all really fresh things that do well. You can have that pasta hot, right. but if you serve it cold, it's great. Yeah. So why not? 
Well, and, and I also love the idea that, you know, at least I find, I don't know if you find this to be the case, but when, when we do have a potluck, um, every, every year on January 1st, my wife and I throw a chili party. Nice. And over the years, it has morphed into the, this sort of quasi-contest, right. not by our <laughs> development, but right. by our friends. Whose is the best? Exactly. And, and so everybody's bringing a chili, and there's lots of sort of like chatter among text and, you know, Instagram about who's making chili, and someone is smoking duck for their chili right. and all this stuff. And it has it's become this kind of de facto, like, fun kind of a contest to be like, what'd you make? How'd you right. make it? What'd you mm-hmm. do? And I feel like that's a little bit where we are in the food world, that it's yeah. not, you know, the potluck is not in a church basement with casseroles. It's in your right. house, and people are bringing something that they want to kind of talk about and that they're proud of right. and that they want to share. And that doesn't have to be the same thing. You know, I think that people of other generations had their, like, two or three dishes that that was, like, their signature thing. Yeah. And that's, oh, Susie brings her brownies every time, and that's so great. And, I mean, there's definitely people who still do that. I mean, I have a friend who brings incredible chocolate chip cookies right. every year to the chili party every time he comes over and that's great I mean you know I feel like sometimes there are people I mean I, I Nick I love spending time with you but you know sometimes <laughs> Sorry, I know yeah. we're gonna need cookies and so right. you know you get invited right over. you need that yeah there are some dishes like for the Super Bowl there's baked wings and bring it that I'm obsessed with and you know one year I um, actually two years ago I gave everybody food poisoning oh, no. because I had the norovirus not because of the food right, right, wasn't right. cooked I, I had the norovirus I did not and know so it and so everybody got sick because yes, of the food yes then yeah. I got the norovirus and then shockingly all my guests got the norovirus oh. and the next year I was like oh is anyone going to show up to my <laughs> super bowl party? and everybody did they're like well you know we just had to have those wings right. I was like well I guess this <laughs> recipe really has to go in the book if people will show up after getting poisoned right. but yeah I mean you definitely have to have some of those signature things but it's also fun to try something new and bring new things and those types of themed parties are always great because it gives people a direction and yeah. it gives them inspiration and you know when you say to someone hey we're gonna do pasta night everybody bring a different type of pasta or hey let's do chili night or you know things like that then you give people kind of a chance to try something new which is actually exciting yeah you call in the in the beginning of the book you talk about uh, the recipes being aspirational and attainable yeah. Um, which I guess, does that mean they lie somewhere between like the 11 Madison Park book and the, <laughs> Campbell, and the Campbell soup can? Like they're somewhere in the middle? Uh, you know, it's more about like I, I think I really embarrass my husband with this all the time because I like to make things that look really cool and then tell people how easy it was. Like I do it with clothes too. Where Like last night I, had, I was at a party and I, someone was like, ooh, your dress is so nice. And I was like, oh, I got it at H&M. It was $20. Right. And he's like, why don't you just say thanks? You know, yeah. like, but I mean, I feel that way about food. Like it's sure. almost like it's better if it was easy, you know? Like, yeah. oh, you think it's great, and I only spent 30 minutes making right, it. Right. Like, that, to me, is what you want to bring to a potluck. Because if you've, like, labored over something for, like, eight hours, yeah. and then you bring it and people just eat it, and no one even is like, eh, then right. it's so depressing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I really tried, you know, this book, I had a lot of ideas for recipes. There were some that I just, like, kept putting off and I because they were complicated, and I kept just thinking, like, well... If I don't even want to make this, like, to test it out. Right, like, it doesn't even go in the book. Yeah, like, who's going to want to do this, yeah. you know? So the goal was really to find some of those recipes, you know, like the red wine pasta, where it's, like, it's so easy to make, but people look at it, and they're like, wow, that's so cool. So, I mean, the, you know, attainable piece of it is really important. Um, but the aspirational part is also you don't want to bring something that feels like, you know, just something you whip together for your Tuesday night dinner either. Right. I mean, you know, you do talk about you mentioned that people should, in fact, make their own hummus. I mean, hummus is so ubiquitous. Yeah. now. You can buy perfectly passable hummus mm-hmm. at every 
grocery store. Yeah. But there really is something so much better and so much fresher and brighter about making it yourself. So much better. And I think, you know, this book, like, I like to say I cook in, like, a judgment-free zone, you know, because um, there's a whole section at the bottom. There's a recipe for this red pepper hummus. And at the bottom of it, it's like, listen, if you buy the hummus, here's how you can make this. You know, you yeah. can still add the peppers. You can still add these things. Like, I, like if you want to buy your hummus, like, no judgment. But I... Yeah, like I think that there's some things that are so easy. And again, like my recipe, um, you know, Alone Shia has a book out that came out yesterday as well. And he and I once had a conversation about hummus where he said I was totally nuts for using canned chickpeas. And I said, you know what, like I don't have time to like <laughs> let them sit over. I was like, so yeah. this is, that's my in-between, right? right? Like yeah. I'm making it, but I'm not going to like buy chickpeas and then soak them for and many days. And then cook them perfectly. Them. And yeah. yeah. And again, like if you do that and that's your signature thing, then awesome. Like I, again, no judgment of that, you know, but it's, um, I'm always trying to find the way to like make things like a little bit better, but without being super difficult. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, traveling to India. And then I noticed looking through some of your social media feed, I saw a picture of a Parmesan cave yeah. and a picture of you picking coffee. Yeah. So you seem to get into some real interesting stuff when you travel. Yes. I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not fun to travel with if you don't like food because <laughs> I, I'll be like, let's go look at this factory. And like my family's like, please just let us go lie on a beach somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I just, I think that we take for granted so much. We talk about food so much and we don't really know a lot about how our food is made. Um, and we don't really think about where it comes from as much as we should. And you know, for some people, I mean, I did a video a few years ago about um, breaking down a whole lamb. Like it wasn't slaughtering the lamb. Mm -hmm. It wasn't taking the skin off. It was like a fully skinned but whole lamb. And then it was just like, this is how it gets broken down. And these are the parts it gets broken down into. And I swear to God, I got more emails of people being like, how dare you show this thing? And I was like, well, I mean, where do you think your yeah. lamb, like, what do you think? Like, you think when you get a steak that that didn't, like, that the cow just, right. like, poof, into a steak? Yeah. Like, you know, so I really love stories that kind of delve into how we get to where we are. And some of my favorite stories I've been able to cover and look at have been around that. I mean, the, the cheese caves was a fun, I mean, again, that was, like, me on vacation, right. like a total <laughs> nut job. A few years ago, I went to Modena. I, you know, I met uh, Massimo Batura, who's the chef from Osteria Francescana that now everyone is totally obsessed with yeah. because he's the most delightful human oh, on the planet. Oh, he's amazing. We did an yeah. event with him years ago. Yeah, he's like, and you know, I met him, um, yeah, probably like 2011, 2012, and his wife and I went to the same high school, so we like, she's American, and you know, we sort of bonded over this thing and he kept every like six months, he would send me an email and be like, when are you coming to Modena? <laughs> and finally I was like, how stupid am I that I'm right. not doing this? Yeah, so I planned, go. yeah, I planned this entire trip around like eating lunch at Francescana and, um, you know, and his wife, Laura, very, very kindly gave us, rec I was like, okay, and I want to go to like, see how balsamic is made and yeah. I want to see how Parmesan cheese is made. And you know, it's um, that region, you know, Emilia Romagna is not, it's becoming a much more popular tourist destination, but it's really a little more under the radar because it's right next to Tuscany and Tuscany is, yeah. the landscape is more beautiful. Yeah. Um, and you know, their food and wine isn't so bad either, but um, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. But I mean, so many of the things that we love come from Emilia Romagna. So I've been very lucky that, yeah, when I travel, I seek out the, you know, 
Yeah, I, I, I'm just very grateful that my husband likes that stuff too, even though he works in consulting and has nothing to do with food. But um, yeah, because I, I, I'm exhausting for other people to go on trips with. <laughs> We're going to take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors here at Heritage Radio. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk about uh, your son, Guy. From your chalice just stand by my head to you. Today's program was brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. What do you think of when you hear Wisconsin Cheese? For me, I think cheese curds. Delicious, fresh and squeaky cheese curds. Or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally anyway, anytime, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese the Farmstead Cheese Company behind Pleasant Ridge Reserve. I think of delicious, stinky Limburger and its long-storied history. I think of Dunbarton Blue, made by master cheesemaker Chris Raleigh. I think of Ross Grand Cru Searchois, which was named 2016's World Championship Cheese, and Satori's Black Pepper Bella Vitano, the 2017 U.S. Championship Cheese. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese. With lush grasslands and a glacial water supply, that produce the very best milk. Fourth generation cheesemakers combine old world tradition with new ideas and the highest standards to make innovative cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and joining me in the studio today, I have Allie Rosen here, uh, who hosts Potluck with Allie and has just, uh, her book, Bring It, Tried and True Recipes for Potlucks and Casual Entertaining, just came out yesterday. Uh, so if you're just joining us before the break, we were talking about uh, some of Allie's traveling um, and a lot of the sort of dragging her family around to visit <laughs> places. Um, so now you have, a, you have a toddler, you have yeah, a son, so now you get to drag him around. Yes. To see this stuff. He is very draggable at this age. <laughs> yeah, I've made him. Well, right now he's obsessed with, um, he thinks he's been a lot more places than he has because uh, we have all these like photos, travel photos. And so, I, you know, I tell him like that he's been there with me if I was pregnant with him. Right. So he'll tell people, he'll be like, I've been to Myanmar. And it's like, yeah, but you have Sort of, yeah. Yeah, like you were like a zygote, but okay. Yeah. My son who's four loves to, you know, we he loves to come out with things and be like, oh, I was born in Rhode Island, which is not true. He was born in New York. You know, he'll just like, he pops out with all this stuff. And very similarly, he'll be like, yeah. oh yeah, remember that time, dad, when I was in Japan? Yeah. And you're like, sure, And I'm kid. like, you weren't in Japan. We FaceTimed when I was in Japan. What, what right. you know. He was there though. He, he thinks he was. He, he certainly does. Uh, so, uh, you know, does Guy like to eat? Oh my God. You know, I keep saying, yeah, if, so, if anyone out there wants to produce a show about a hilarious toddler eating, yeah. that's my next concept. <laughs> um, he eats, it, he's insane. I mean, I have a friend, you know, if you, if you want to see the adventures of Guy, I don't post about him a lot, but my friend Alyssa Goldman does, and she will like, we'll go out to lunch and she will have like an entire Insta story because he eats everything. And cool. I don't know why he decided, you know, why I got blessed with a kid who eats everything, but he eats like oyster, you know, he likes like raw oysters. He'll yeah. eat whatever. And the first, actually the first like real pasta that he had, we took a trip to Italy. If you can't tell, I'm a little obsessed with Italy. I have a, a mild issue with it. Um, 
And, you know, we went to um, the area around Lake Como and we had lunch at Villa de Este, which is this like fame. And, you know, we called yeah. them. I was like, listen, like we have a toddler. Can right. we bring him? And they were like, oh, absolutely. Like bring him. And we got there and they had this like high chair that looked like a throne. I mean, it was like ridiculous. And they were like, we will bring out some butter pasta for the young sir. And I was like, what is that? And they brought it out on this like silver <laughs> that's platter. That's so cool. I mean, that really, that's so, really cool. It was really nice. Yeah. Italy is a great place to travel with kids because yeah. they are so kid friendly. But yeah, he had this like butter pasta, which we'd never given him before. And his face, like we have this like series of photos of him, just like the <laughs> pure joy of butter and pasta. So yeah, we eat, we take him everywhere. I mean, he eats, he eats everything. That's awesome. Which is lucky. Yeah. People are always like, no, he doesn't. I'm like, all right, here, I'll send you, send you a bunch of photos. <laughs> I have a whole section on my Instagram. You know, you have those like highlights now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one that's called guy eating. Nice. For anyone I'll, who, I'll definitely. Yeah. It's pretty, it's hilarious. Yeah. He's sure. a funny kid. Um, people can find you on Instagram and Twitter at Allie underscore Rosen. Yeah. Correct. Allie Rosen was taken cool. by a bikini fitness model. So um, I have that. Does she that still use it? Room. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. She got married. She changed her name. She kept the handle. Oh, I'm very, that's a bummer. it's very sad. Yeah. So I have <laughs> Allie underscore Rosen. Right. Uh, so you mentioned uh, in the questionnaire that I send out to guests before the show that one of your pet peeves related to food is snobbery. Yeah. Um, and that you like fine dining, but you don't like things being fancy. And, you know, it, it's interesting. I When you mentioned taking Guy to the restaurant and then being very kid-friendly. Yeah. It's something that I have always, you know, I'd like... I, I, I bristle at that stuff. And, uh, yeah. you know, recently for a big big celebratory dinner my wife and I uh, went to La Bernadette it was mm. incredible and you know thanks Eric it was really great but I don't <laughs> but? I don't like being forced to wear a dinner jacket yeah. when I eat yeah I don't I like know. eating in a jacket I'm on, I don't I, you know I wear a suit sometimes I like going to weddings I like wearing a suit I like dressing up but I just I'm not comfortable eating wearing that yeah and so going to restaurants that work like that's one of my pet peeves similarly like yeah if you're required to wear a jacket I'm like why why I mean I get it I should wear a shirt right I'm not going to come in right. there wearing flip-flops yeah and I'm not going to come in with a muscle shirt but like I don't want to wear a jacket but you also just don't know who people are like I sat um next to the manager of Del Posto on a plane once coming back from the Beard Awards when they were in Chicago and we were chatting about this and he said you know uh, the CEO of a, of a tech company that I will not name yeah. came into Del Posto once wearing a t-shirt and you know that this is you know they had to I mean they accommodated him and they put him sort of in an area whatever but they, you know they didn't shame him and I, I think right. that that was such a lovely story of like this person is about to spend a lot of money they right. have a lot of business right. here they are like let's serve them and obviously you want to be respectful of the restaurant that you're going to but you don't yeah. want to shame people and I think you know one you know for me I, I spend so much of my time interviewing chefs and with chefs and at restaurants and I just think like it's the hospitality industry and I find yeah. that so many places it's like we're just gonna be snobby and for what like the whole point of going out to eat is to have a good time so yeah. there are really great restaurants that I just like won't even go to anymore because they're so rude and yeah. it's kind of like okay well I'm spending a lot of money this is a special occasion I get that you guys are you know highly rated I get that you're busy but like I've come here to spend my hard-earned money yep. and I want you to be nice I'm gonna be nice to you like yeah. you know like <laughs> you can be nice to me and with kids I mean it, it's really interesting you know there's so many restaurants I mean I always call ahead I never take him to dinner or late you know like we do a lot of lunches Right. And things like that. And, you know, I'm always, it's, it's, and I will always tip more because he leaves, you know, a, a, a little pile yeah, of sure. things and everyone has to be accommodating. <laughs> but I mean, you know, and also like we don't, if he starts screaming or something, we take him out. I guess of course. some parents don't do that. But yeah, I think that the restaurant industry really, 
And I think this is why a lot of fine dining is having difficulties because people want to eat great food, but they want to be comfortable and yeah. they want to be happy and feel taken care of. Yeah. Uh, is there something to go back to potlucks? Is there uh, something that if someone brings to a potluck, you secretly roll your eyes? Um, yeah, like store-bought guacamole. Okay. That's like my, it's, you know, the thing is you can buy store-bought guacamole and then like add stuff to it. Yeah. You know, you can cut up some red onions and you can squeeze a lime into it and you can chop some cilantro and, you know, make it your own. But that's one of those things where it's like, it's so easy to make, like, you know, buying like, like bread or something. Like if you're in charge of like bringing cheese and some bread, like please don't necessarily make the bread, right? Like, right. like please buy that. Right. You know? But I think there's some things that people buy where you're like, oh, this is so easy. You could just do it yourself or make it yourself, you're, you know, a little personal. I mean, I get it. Like we're all busy. So, you know, if you're going to bring something that you didn't make, yeah, make it like a great cheese or a really interesting wine or something that it still feels personal yeah. rather than like, oh, I got this at the bodega downstairs. Right. Sorry. <laughs> um, where did you do the photography for the book? Oh, man, the photography for the book is like, I can't say enough about it. The photographer was Noah Fex. I love Noah. Who is like one of the most talented people. But, you know, you see that in his photos. But what you don't see and what I hope comes through the photos is he is like the most genuine human on the planet and just such enthusiasm and such positivity yep. and it, it really shines that you know this book it was so important to me that the photos were approachable that everything could be eaten um you know we did not you know there's no tweezers here it was all like we ate all of the food <laughs> right. afterwards no aquanet sprayed on for a perfect right shame. um so you know the stylist ashton keith and noah really understood that this was you know there's a lot of cookbooks lately that are all like you know they're either so fancy or it's like everything is sepia toned in my beautiful house that I have in Hudson, New York, right. or, you know, these, these things that are really beautiful, but like I, I, I feel intimidating. And I was like, listen, like, I don't know if it sounds lame or like if I'm not cool, but like, I just want it to be fun. I want it to be bright. I want it to feel like a party that I would have, you know, which, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm not hip, but I have fun. So, <laughs> you know, and they just got it. And Noah, I mean, he has another um, cookbook coming out this spring as well, the LA cookbook. And the photos for that are totally different. You know, he really can capture the book. And, you know, he has a great book called Toast Water um, that he also just published. And, you know, he also a long time ago had The Way We Ate. Yeah. And, you know, he's just so talented. And so I was like so thrilled that he could do the photos because, you know, people don't pick up a cookbook because they like read the head notes and said, oh, this is really hilarious. Like they pick it up because they're like, wow, I want to eat this thing in this photo. Yep. So, you know. And, and I think they often, you know, will choose recipes based on that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh God, that was the big, you know, it's like choosing between your children, you know, yeah. most, unless you are photographing your own cookbook, which a lot of bloggers do and sure. is one of the benefits of buying a cookbook from one of your favorite bloggers. You know, if you're buying a cookbook from someone like me who can cook and not take photographs, <laughs> um, you'll get about 40 or 50, you know, photos out of the hundred recipes. So it was like, oh my God, it was so hard to yeah. choose. But Ashton Keefe, who styled it, you know, I had like 45, they said, pick 40. And I was like, how about 45? Yeah. And she was like, I will get this for you. And we will, you know, <laughs> she just ran it like a tight ship and we got all the photos. And yeah, so, you know, yeah, cook some of the recipes that don't have photos. They're great too. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but I do have to say, sitting here looking at it, the, the recipe that is kind of the star of the cover, um, which is a tomato and corn and feta salad. Yeah. Is like what I want, right? Like as like spring is coming <laughs> yeah. and like that salad 
tastes like, you know, in my brain, I'm like, oh, it's the end of July. I'm so glad that you taste say it. And I just that. like, I look yeah. at it like that's what I want. I mean, I've also, like I said, I've been on the road for a week. Right. So, so you I want fresh cooked. things. Yeah, exactly. I want something that is like fresh and bright and is not an egg sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> when they sent me the cover, it's actually hilarious because, you know, as the author, you actually think that you are, you know, you have some control over something, which you actually have <laughs> no control because the publisher, you know, they, they've done this so many times yep. and they know what they're doing. And they sent me this cover. And they said, what do you think? And I was like, oh, well, I don't know if, you know, a corn salad is really what we should have on the cover. And I had this whole long email about, like, why, whatever. And, you know, and then my editor was like, oh, well, that's really nice. But the buyers for Amazon and Barnes & Noble really love it. So it's already over. We were just trying to be nice. You know, it's fine. It's so funny. I had almost the exact same email (laughs) string with Vinegar Revival where what, you know, the 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 photograph we had talked about being the cover of that book was a photograph of all these different bottles of mm. vinegar with different coloration and, and yeah. uh, you know. And then they sent me that, and then they sent me the one that ended up being the cover, which is a picture right. of a bunch of pickles. And I said, but it's not a pickle book. It's a book <laughs> right. about vinegar. And my editor said, yeah, well, it just looks nicer. It's, right. you know, the other one looked like a drink book. Right. And the this looks like a food book. buy stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's funny. So yeah, Kristen always says, now we're on team corn. Yeah. She's like, I'm getting you onto <laughs> team corn. And now I love it because it's true. It's like, it's, because the cover has a number of recipes. It's yeah. not like it's like, here's a corn book. Um, but it is. It's one of those recipes that I make. Like I've just been making forever. My grandmother was um, lived in New Hampshire. And so it was like the thing that we would make. And, um, you know, your son thinks he was born in Rhode Island. My yeah. mom was born in Rhode yeah. Island. So we go there every summer to be with her family. And, you know, this past summer I made that salad. like people, And it was funny because I had like, we did this like fish tacos. I had all this stuff and everybody just kept being like, this salad. And yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, why did I spend so much time on like seven different sauces for your stupid fish tacos when all you guys want is some grilled corn? Right. But it's just, you know, sometimes the simplest things are the best. Absolutely. Um, well, I, I wanted to call out a couple of other recipes that at least uh, sort of jumped out to me. Um, I really like the buttermilk broccoli salad in the book. Yeah. Um, and I really, the vinegar chicken and tomatoes for obvious reasons, having mm. written a book about vinegar. I was going to say, yeah. vinegar the, forever. The mustard roasted carrots look really mm. good. Um, and the chai brownies I thought was a really interesting recipe because, I mean, it, you know, chocolate brownie is such a, you know, yeah. I mean, it, not that there's nothing wrong with a chocolate brownie. Yeah, good chocolate brownies. Like um, but I'm not, I'm not a super dessert person, so like, for me, yeah. a brownie has to be really good. It's funny. I am not a dessert person, and that, I think, is probably why you see so many fruit-based desserts, because I'm not a huge sweet tooth. Um, and some of these recipes are, like, the s'mores bars are, like, a sweetness bomb. They're yeah. awesome. Um, but the chai brownie is, yeah, that was one that I tested over and over again, because, you know, it, it's like when you're dealing with something as divisive as cardamom, you know, which is kind of what, you know, the the brownies are basically sort of a play on the flavors of chai tea. Right. And, you know, I kept making them. I mean, I probably tweaked the, like, amount, you know, like, so many times because, you know, people would. And finally, when I got, like, the people who loved it to say, okay, there was still enough. And the people who didn't to say, yeah, that was, like, such a. So that's one I'm really proud of. And there's no photo of that one. So I'm very glad that you said that one because I love it. But, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's a really special. People bite into it and they're like, ooh, what is this? You know, which I think is kind of the best thing for a dessert that people think they know what it is. Right. Yeah, so I love that one. Cool. Well, we're just about out of time, um, but I want to make sure to uh, ask what events you have coming up for the book. Oh, man. You know, I, um, I'm i really horrible. I'm not doing very many signings um, because I'm deathly afraid of having a signing where nobody shows up is the <laughs> honest truth about it. But I do have a, if you buy the book and you uh, email, bring it, 
cookbook at gmail.com, I will send you a personalized book plate. Oh, so that is my that is my thing I'm doing in lieu of signings because I'm uh, yeah because I have a toddler and I'm sad and I don't want to. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's if you if you buy People magazine this week, you will see a, one of the recipes from Bring It. Awesome. in there and um, you know have I'm going to be on the home and family show on Hallmark in April and doing a few other things so yeah if you follow me on social media if I get the courage to do any signings I will uh, <laughs> let everyone know <laughs> sounds great well thanks Allie so much and everybody should thank check you. out potluckwithallie.com thank you uh, and check out, check that out and go out and you know bring it yeah right? bring it <laughs> exclamation point thank you so much for having me on yeah it was really fun uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to Feast Your Ears today. Big thank you to David Tatashore for engineering the show. You can find Feast Your Ears, as well as lots of other great shows, at heritageradionetwork.org, on Stitcher, iTunes, and now on Spotify. Please take a moment to like the show uh, on any of those platforms, if you do, in fact, like it. You can reach me at email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com, and you can find me on social media at thefoodballer. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.